Hi, I'm Todd Nathanson. And I'm Danny Roth. And we are going to do two of the best artists of the 60s. And two of their best... We're doing the Beatles and the Beach Boys, that storied rivalry. No, wait. Not the 60s versions, though. We're doing George Harrison's Got My Mind Set On You versus the Beach Boys' Kokomo. It's song versus song. <laughs> it's suck we- versus suck. Weird. Wow. Yeah. Well, do you genuinely dislike both wait which song did you pick i was firmly on the side of kokomo and i'm pretty solid on that one okay i am absolutely 100 percent on cloud nine with george harrison <laughs> no question do you actually like either of these songs do you actually like kokomo you know i went back and re-listened to it i i still got a little heart twinge listening to that because i that was like one of the few pop songs i knew as a kid and uh, I, I still feel it a little. I, I still do. Kokomo is uh, absolutely the, the one I'm on. Although, Got My Mind Set On You is also one of the few I knew. And I got no feeling for that whatsoever. Wow. And I have exactly the opposite experience. Yeah. I think what it's going to boil down to is, in a way, it's, it's really about the music video. <laughs> Again, which keeps happening uh, kind of unfair because it doesn't really have anything to do with the song per se. Mm-hmm. But Kokomo's video is garbage. <laughs> hey, now let's be real here. You see John Stamos' smiling face, and your day is just better. So I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, that's exactly how I feel about the great Alexis Denisov, who appears in the in the um, the Crane. Version. So you got two different videos of George Harrison. Not nope. one, but two. You got the one where Alexis Denisov, who is uh, in a bunch of Joss Whedon stuff. Is that Allison Hannigan's husband? Yep. Allison Hannigan's husband, Alexis Denisov, is getting a getting a little a little ballet figure for a girl. All the girls wearing very tight pants on the beach, mm-hmm. watching a Nickelodeon of George Harrison for some reason. Not the channel, but a. But like you, a Nickelodeon, which is you put a you put a nickel in it and you watch the video. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so yeah, that's not the version I know. That's the one, and then there's the Evil Dead version. That is the one I know, where he's in a cabin in the woods and all the things come to life and sing a song with him. You know, Evil Dead Two came out that same year, didn't it? Like I, I think so. Do they I, re- literally just leave the theater and and shoot this video? Maybe. Who can say? <laughs> like Evil was Evil Dead Two even a big movie at the time? Like I thought that was like. A hindsight kind of thing. Maybe. I couldn't tell you. I think that that is a movie that found its success in VHS. But for uh, for George Harrison, at least, and then also for the Beach Boys shortly thereafter, this was a, a year, the year was 1988, uh-huh. wherein uh, they both had comeback successes. Neither had had a number one hit in a very long time. Yeah, I was just re- you know skimming the Wikipedia for both of these things. George Harrison's last number one hit was a... Uh, Give me love, give me peace on earth from 1973. So that's a good 14 years in between. Like that got my mind set on you was a hit at the end of 1987 and into 1988. And there's like, that was a big thing. That's a humongous gap. And then of course the next year, the beach boys had a number one hit. Their last hit was good vibrations in 1966. Yep. Yeah, that's 22 years. That's amazing. And 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 they had a hit now, na- well, now, in yeah. 1988 without Brian right. Wilson. <laughs> he wasn't there. He wasn't a part of it. 
No, I, I think he was still in the clutches of the evil doctor at the time. Evil Paul Giamatti, as yeah. I think of him. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't... For me, these songs are... Yes, so I was I would have been around eight years old, maybe seven at my youngest, when these songs came out. And uh, I don't have any strong memories of Kokomo as sung by the Beach Boys at <laughs> all. None. But I absolutely remembered both of the George Harrison videos, especially the one where he's sitting in a chair and there's like weird like boars and, and deer singing along with him. Now, as a kid, I was delighted by this. So was I. I do remember that video. Like I, like I said, that was like one of the few I knew. Like my dad was not into like the modern music, so that's not what I listened to. But, you know, he was like, he was a kid of the 60s. So it was like, the Beatles are back. Well, you know, one of them. Yeah, although, I, interestingly, I don't know if you had encountered this information in your research. That was the, the same year that that song was a hit. was the same year that the first four Beatles records were re-released for the first time on compact disc. Oh yeah. It was a, a, a big year for the Beatles. Yeah. And they yeah, also got inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame as did the beach boys. Well, you know, this is something I've been thinking about for a long time. The eighties were such a great decade for the sixties. Like literally everyone who was big in the sixties was either still around in the eighties or had a big comeback in the eighties. Like even like people like Roy Orbison who had sat out the entire seventies, yeah. Aretha Franklin too was a big pop star in the eighties and had several number one hits, and she sat out most of the seventies entirely. And uh, you know, and you can just like rattle them off. Like not only all the Beatles had at least one hit in the eighties, also the Beach Boys, also the Stones, also Paul Simon, also uh, the Who were still making a couple of hits towards the beginning there. And yeah. I was going to say, I guess in, in, in a stunning technicality, John Lennon managed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just, just under the wire. Yeah. Just under the wire. I mean, he died and then yeah. basically Double Fantasy had a hit. Yeah. And also Aretha, also Stevie Wonder, also Marvin Gaye. Also, he's kind of sneaking in towards the end there. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. But uh, yeah, that's it is a weird decade. It is, it is kind of the 60s part dose musically. Uh, not in any other way, I yeah. guess. That, not, that's that power of that baby boomer nostalgia. I guess so. That's weird. But, okay, so let's talk about uh, what I feel is uh, the elephant in the room regarding Kokomo. <laughs> the song, the Beach Boys version, I do not feel is good. <laughs> However, there is an alternate version that I consider to be great. And that is the Muppets version. Yes, of course. I I knew that's where we were headed. I have very strong memories of that Muppets version, too. In fact... Well, it maybe- appeared at the front of a bunch of random movies, like a, a bunch of random VHS. Brave Little Toaster, I think it was at the front of. It was just a couple of Muppets things that was in the front of, but just a bunch of random movies that, in addition to movie previews, they had this video of the Muppets singing Kokomo. <laughs> As, as I recall, I would see it in between uh, shows on Nickelodeon all Absolutely. the time. It's a very Muppety song. It's a it's a kid's song, basically. It is. And so having a song clearly made for kids, except for talking about smoking weed, that's really the one outlier. So they changed the lyric. Really? What's What line is that? I didn't... 
gave me a tropical contact, contact high, high yeah. is replaced with under a, a tropical, tropical island, island sky. sky. Yes. You're well, welcome. Well, you know, he's high on life. In the-, <laughs> the Beach Boys were never high on life. Well, I think a couple of them were. Like Mike definitely was very high on life and his own ego. All right. I just, all right. So here, tell me why Kokomo, uh, other than the Muppets version, is, is good. You know, I, was, um, I was just looking at, and I, I'm not going to tell you it's good exactly. I'm just going to say it's better than Got My Mind Set On You, which I will we'll get into that, I guess. But Okay. <laughs> Kokomo, I was looking at the uh, the credits on there. And I was like, man, these are this is like a murderer's row in the songwriting department because you got Mike Love, who is a villain of reality, but he's a <laughs> he's a, the real life villain of the Beach Boys, possibly more than Doctor Landy. But he he is on all those records. He's he is a part of the Beach Boys. He's earned his right to be there. But also, the other credit on here is John Phillips, who is from the Mamas and the Papas. You know, they did California Dreamin' and a lot of great 60s sunshine pop. And the other name on here is Scott McKenzie. That is the uh, guy, another guy from the 60s, you know. If you are going to San Francisco, you've got to wear flowers in your hair. And one last guy, his name's Terry Melcher. He produced Mr. Tambourine Man. So this is like the some of the greatest talents of the 60s. I love that William Shatner song. <laughs> yes, that is exactly the version I was referring to. Not the Dylan version or the Birds version. The Shatner version. That's the, the transform man, baby. <laughs> now you got it stuck in my head. Why'd you do that? It's because I don't I, want that. It's because I hate you. It's not true. Anyway. <laughs> I, I just feel like it's a really well-written song. In, wh- a, in what way? In just the melodies. It's just got such a wonderful hook. When, uh, when Carl, Carl Wilson, breaks into, we'll get there fast and then we'll take it slow. And I just feel that... Old-time classic Beach Boys magic. You're an old soul, <laughs> I guess, in that okay, you, you, you're like an old man that wants to go sit on an island. I would. This really feels like a song for older people who want to go to an island paradise. It is not off a of Beach Boys album. It is off the, uh, the cocktail soundtrack. Yes, it is. Have you ever seen that? It I've, is some yuppie horse shit. Uh, I have never actually watched it all the way through. I've never said, man, I've got to watch Tom Cruise mixes a drink, the movie. Oh, he's like flipping it around and stuff. And then there's like, he learns that money isn't everything. And at the end, he's rewarded with a lot of money. It's, I was going to say, it's the 1980s. Yeah. Unquestionably, money is all that mattered for an entire decade. Yeah, it's like one of those horse shit things where they try and pretend... And you know what the other big uh, song off that soundtrack was? Here's a little song I wrote. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. A song that Don't I actually worry. really... I like that song. Oh, wow. I, hold on. You can't be anti-Kokomo and pro Don't Worry, Be Happy, man. <laughs> Wait, what? Those are those are two of a kind. Yeah, but not all chilled out, relaxed, laid back songs are created equal. Okay, so hold on. What's the, the difference here? Because like, I feel like everything that is obnoxious about Kokomo is like, that's the entirety of Don't Worry, Be Happy. Maybe that should have been our song versus song. Oh, maybe it should have. I uh, I don't know. I think it's just that, that Don't Worry, Be Happy has got an effortless charm to it, that it's kind of goofy, that it's, it's a guy who's, I don't know, to me, he's singing a song about how life is terrible, 
but what are you going to do? Yeah, well, there is definitely... Whereas the Beach Boys are no, enormously, enormously wealthy, like, bloated white guys. Yeah, I will I will firmly accept that there is not a trace of bad times in Kokomo. These are people who are very rich and who have never worried about anything. Like, maybe in the 60s, if they had written this, there would be, like, we were going to Kokomo because everything is awful and we need a vacation, but... By the '80s, you watch that video, and they are some. Uh, there's some beer gut going on on there. Yeah, I just don't care about them going on vacation. <laughs> that is not a Chevy Chase movie that I want to see. <laughs> I'm not interested in it at all. And that's, I guess, that's it. It's just I find the song to be kind of lifeless. I find them to be kind of lifeless. It kind of makes me feel like uh, that music video they should have did. Like uh, Shades of Grey from what? The Grateful Dead where they had... Oh, uh, you mean Touch of Grey, not, sh- not Fifty Shades of Grey. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. They should have done like Touch of Grey oh, where, they, of, where they were skeletons. <laughs> speaking of people who made a comeback in the... Like they had no hits in the 60s and they had a hit in the 80s. Yeah, it's weird. Anyway, okay, uh, so yeah, I find Kokomo to be very boring. That's the thing. I just can't get into it. It's It's too relaxed. It doesn't go anywhere. That... Just naming of places doesn't do it for me. Don't you want to go to Bahama? Jamaica. <laughs> um, you know, the island of Bahama? It's like a really shitty tropical Billy Joel tune. <laughs> you know? Let's just name places. I think it has the same, same starts with the same beat as An Innocent Man, that same little Casio beat. Kind of. There you go. Yeah, I was going to say um, it's Coco Mo 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 Mo. <laughs> you ought to know by it. Yep. I don't know. It just never really spoke to me. And I don't know that Got My Mind Set on You really speaks to me, but it's got a little more pep in its step. <laughs> and so I like that. And I think that was always the thing about it is that it had a bit of that little kid dancing around the house quality to it. Well, yeah, in the video... It is actually George Harrison. Well, it is actually not George Harrison. No, but bouncing around his little cabin full of haunted uh, deer heads. Yeah, it is weird. The Evil Dead connection, which I had not really <laughs> thought about until today. But yeah, I got my hand set on fire. <laughs> the, oh. <laughs> the interesting thing about that song is that it is a cover. He didn't write that song. No, and uh, it was. So you it's know, kind of double boomer nostalgia. It's a song from the, the 60s by a guy from the 60s. Although the, the original version, I don't think, was ever a hit for anybody. No, it was never really a big, big song. I mean, if you listen to the original one, it's a very different rendition, but it still has the same sort of vibe to it. Um, I'm going to disagree. I think uh, the George Harrison version completely ruins it. whatever's good about that song. it is The original version is very soulful. It's by a guy named James Ray. Not James Earl Ray. That's a unfortunate name. But he was only very briefly successful in the early 60s, and I think he died from a drug overdose very sadly. But he's he's got a very peppy, soulful, uh, and there are like real horns on it and real drums. But also, it is not nearly as repetitive as the George Harrison version. Like there are, There's a lot cut out of that three-minute song when George Harrison did his version. There's like a whole different section that he just doesn't do. And even the chorus is different. I got my mind set on you. 
I know what I got to do. I was like, wait, it isn't this repetitive on by accident. It's repetitive on purpose. There was a whole other part of this song. And instead, well, I mean, we got to address the elephant in the loon in the room, the Weird Al version. Oh, yeah. This, this song's, song's just got... six words long. Yeah. And I was once I heard that, like, once I heard the Weird Al version, this song was completely destroyed for me, honestly. Oh, and I don't even think that's one of Weird Al's best. I think it is absolutely one of his best. Oh, I, it's fine. It's a fine song. But, um, yeah, it doesn't bother me. I feel uh, what you're saying, who you're coming for, is not even George Harrison at that point, though. You're coming for Jeff Lynne. You know, I always liked Jeff Lynne. But this is definitely, this is Jeff Lynne's hand on this song. Unquestionably, yeah. you can you can always tell when a song is really influenced by his production. And this song is very Jeff Lynne. Yeah, speaking of a, a murderer's row talent, Jeff Lynne is a uh, great producer, I always thought. I mean, he's probably one of the most famous producers of this particular type of sound. And if you look, he's... I mean, he, so he's the guy from Electric Light Orchestra, uh, but he was part of the Traveling Wilburys, and as such, you know, he's produced records for George Harrison, for Tom Petty. I believe he's produced records for Paul McCartney at one point. I think he's worked with basically all of the Beatles at one point or other. Yeah, I, from what I understand, his work on Cloud Nine with George Harrison was basically the, the cause of the Traveling Wilburys. Like, that's where the genesis of this whole project started. Yeah. And it's, it is kind of weird thinking about Cloud Nine because that was an album that I definitely remember as a kid. I remember when we was Fab coming out, that was sort of, I think, what the intended hit was going to be because it was yeah. supposed to be... A Beatles song thinking, about the Beatles, yeah. Right, it was him sort of looking back and, and thinking about that time in a way that was uh, not the most upbeat, but, you know, it's in, it was it's an, an interesting song. I It definitely had that Beatles vibe to it. I think what's weird about Got My Mind Set On You being a hit is that when I think of George Harrison, I think of his success post the Beatles being what it was because he had such a huge backlog of songs that he wrote that were never allowed to be on albums (laughs) because John and Paul were such assholes. Yeah. Do you, do you think that's what happened? Like he just like sprayed them all out there at once because those, those albums are not short. No, I just always assumed that that was the deal. I assumed that he had a ton of songs that had never made it. So they showed up on the first two albums at least. And then his career kind of slowly, kind of slowed down after that. That initial, what, what all things must pass is like a triple album. And yeah, and then he took a break. I really do think that he just had so much pent up mm-hmm. at the time. And then once he was out of it, I don't think he knew what to do. And that's why, um, gosh, what was the name of that one album that came out mid eighties that was so bad? I was just reading Moto Grosso or something so, like that. It was something like that. Uh, it, it did is, not have a number one hit off that album. It's not a good album. It's uh, yeah, it's called Gontrapo. Gontrapo, okay, something like that. Yeah, not a good album. Uh, and infamously, like a huge, huge flop for him in 1982. The like I said, you know, in the 60s, the Beach Boys and the Beatles that was a, actually a fairly serious rivalry until Brian Wilson collapsed. And here you get to the 80s, and like we're they're all having comebacks, and it all just doesn't sound right. And I don't think age is entirely the problem you know what i think it is i think it's the drum machines Hmm. like they both start with what sounds like pre-programmed casio drum beats they're they're all trying to sound like their classic sound but like there's something a little too polished for them 
And I think that's where why everyone seems to react so harshly to this, like why both why it was such giant pop hits, but also why they because I got some real, real harsh reactions to this when I put up the poll on Twitter and on the Patreon. Both songs. Yeah. So and some people were like, oh, my God. Like, I'm not a huge fan of that George Harrison song, but Kokomo is like one of the worst songs of all time. Wow. And vice versa. I've got to say, um, you may, I mean, I appreciate the choice that you made just because I feel that you chose these two songs because Grandpa needed something that he knew about. <laughs> he knows. He's from the 80s. He'll he'll remember these. And I do. I, I can't deny that. But yeah, when I when I thought of them as choices, I said, who will listen to this <laughs> other than other old people? who had those feelings about 60s people who reappeared in the 80s. You really kind of have to be cut of a particular clock. You know, you know, I feel like these songs still have some clout. These songs have still uh, survived somewhat, even if only not, as like a say, horribly not in, lame. Not in a good way. No. I don't think. I think this would have been a much more one-sided poll if not for the Muppets, because apparently quite a few people have pretty strong memories of that and i think that made things a lot more even oh all right well now i'm now i'm curious we'll, we'll let this be a relatively short episode what at, how did the poll turn out okay the final score is got my mind set on you 55 percent wow Pokemon, 45 percent barely yeah that's a really tight matchup and i absolutely do believe that it is because the kermit version Kermit singing Kokomo is so much better than the Beach Boys singing Kokomo. <laughs> it really is just that it feels like a very childish song to, to allow these actual children to sing. It, I guess it sound, sounds different when it's in the, the hands of like 40, 50 year old men. Yeah, because they're like, Kokomo. I've got so much fucking cash, so let's all go There's a part. on my private jet. <laughs> you know, it's very different to, than having, you know, literally Kermit the Frog, who is, you know, well, yeah. a felt frog, singing yeah. that song. It, it suddenly takes on a very different meaning. It's a hard to uh, feel innocent about it when you're looking at Mike Love's smug, ugly face. Like, he is famously, like, not only the anti-art, just pump out the hits villain of the Beach Boys. He's also, like, a pretty famous Republican. To be fair, an 80s Republican is different than a, than a current Republican, but... I wasn't, I mean... Yeah. That feels like a topic for a different <laughs> podcast. You say Republican. Like I don't, I, but I do, don't understand how you can be like a 60s rocker and be an 80s Republican. That just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I always think about Poltergeist. What happens in Poltergeist? Uh, oh, um, well, the, the dad is reading a Reagan book and smoking weed. <laughs> the, the cognitive dissonance of people who grew up in the 60s and were very, uh, you know, that were hippies... And then grew up, grew up to be '80s Reaganite yuppies. I mean, that is a very you know that is a constant that happened over and over and over again. There's a reason why the whole country was red. Yeah, you know, out on the road today, I saw a Deadhead sticker on a Cadillac. And oh that- boy, <laughs> said never look back. <laughs> <sighs> boy, we should really get into some Don Henley stuff at yeah. some point. But, I you guess know, George if we, Harrison if we want is- to really make people suffer. <laughs> 
You know, George Harrison was, you know, that's his big sell. You know, in the 70s, in the early 70s, he was all spiritual and stuff. He was. I mean, here's the thing. I don't I don't find this to be a sellout song. I just feel like he wanted to prove that he still could just make a pop song. And then he did it. I just I, that's really what it boils down for. Like, I don't George Harrison has never struck me. As a, and you know you can correct me if there if if you have a history book in front of you that says otherwise, but he never struck me as a guy that was really in it just for the cash. Which is funny because he wrote Tax Man. I know, but you know that I think he re- kind of terrified of that side of himself, so he retreated into you know the the new age stuff and the Harry Krishna and the spirituality. Yeah, I mean he famously was the one that that sort of latched onto it and stayed latched on. The rest of them it was a phase. But not him. Yeah. He really stuck to it. So, yeah, I mean, I just, I don't, I never think of Got My Mindset on You as something that was designed to make him a lot of money. I think it was, I haven't really done anything like this for a while, and that would be fun, so why not? Well, I, like, I, it comes back to the boomer nostalgia. Like, James Ray was not a super popular guy, but I think George Harrison was one of the few people who who did have some of his records. Oh, Sure. Honestly, what I hear, the song that got my mindset on you reminds me most of is uh, Rod Stewart's The Motown Song. Gosh. And yeah, that's why that's not a compliment. But Yeah, I, I guess it really, I think in my heart, it is simple as I never, I think I probably heard the Muppet version of Kokomo first. And it is absolutely, unquestionably, I don't, would you disagree that the Muppet version is superior? To, uh, to, to the either Beast, of these to, songs? To yes, the, <laughs> You, I mean, I, yeah, I would say I actually, if if it was up to the three, I would probably take the Muppets Kokomo. I kind of wish there was a Muppets version of Got My Mind Set on You. You know, it, it feels like it would also certainly fit the Muppet uh, repertoire very well. Yeah, they could have did it as a, uh, you know, they could have done it as a, com- a companion. The Muppets do Kokomo, Sesame Street does Got My Mind Set on You. <laughs> and it could be the letter U. <laughs> you know what? I bet they have actually done that. Uh, they did that with You Really Got a Hold on Me. I think Got My Mind Set on You would be better. Talk to me, Sesame Street. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they're still going to care in 2019, but uh, yeah. maybe they'll care about you. <sighs> This was not even a 30-minute episode, and that is just fine. I think that we have dedicated exactly the kind of time these songs deserve. Although, if, if I got something I, I want to add in here, check out that original Got My Mind Set On You. It It is a strange song, and it is certainly much less repetitive than the George Harrison version. It goes some weird places, like there's a random mandolin solo towards the end, and then a choir shows up out of nowhere. Would you say that it slaps? No, I would absolutely not say that it slaps. Okay, I don't. I just like to say what the kids say. Is it a bop? Oh, maybe. <laughs> I I would say that it doesn't slap exactly, but it is a bop. Okay. So they- <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Do we know what we're doing next time? I think we do. Oh no! <laughs> what is it? You know, I'm curious where you're going to fall on this one. Okay. Okay. These are the uh, the '90s movie ballads. Here we go. Are you going to take "I Will Always Love You" by Whitney Houston? Are you going to take My Heart Will Always Go On by Celine Dion? Oh, no. I <laughs> got you there. Uh, I think that that is going to have to be TBD. I don't have an answer. Oh, you're a centrist, I see. Wh- how dare you? <laughs> 
Oh, I hate you so much. <laughs> I'm just really glad that Aerosmith didn't make an appearance there. Oh, I've got something special to, for that that oh. one also. Oh, no. All right. Well, uh, until then, this has been Song versus Song. We'll see you next time. See you around. Thank you.